Today on the show, we're talking about ways to challenge consumerism. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney. I'm your host of Simple Money Solutions, and I'm joined with Trevor, my co-host. And today we're talking about how we can challenge consumerism, uh, which is going to be supported by Joshua Becker's article, Nine Intentional Ways to Challenge Consumerism in Your Life from BecomingMinimalist.com. And I want to say just a word about Joshua Becker and his website called Becoming Minimalist. Minimalism can sound like an an extreme thing when you first hear about it or you read about it. It sounds like there's so many extreme versions of minimalism. Joshua Becker brings everyday activities, minimalism to everyday activities. He he has a family and, and he still practices minimalism. So if you're intimidated by minimalism, I encourage you to go read his stuff at becomingminimalist.com. It's a fabulous site. It's been around for a long time. He actually started an on- online magazine, and I think it's called Simplify. And it's something you can subscribe to and you get digitally. And he has sort of guest writers. So I, I can't say enough good things about Joshua Becker and becoming minimalist. He truly, and to, to, to your what you said there, Trevor, he truly was, um, along with um, the minimalists, he truly was one of the inspirations when I first personally got into minimalism as well to really lead me down that that down that path but you know you mentioned the minimalists so they could they some people could listen to them or, or read their books and their books were written from uh, two single guys perspective and so it might be a little hard, hard to re- you know some people could find it hard to relate to I didn't I, I just ate their stuff up but somebody could say well that works for a single guy, but it doesn't work for someone with a family. That that's where Joshua Becker he brings that that different perspective, which I think is a, a lot of people would appreciate. So today we are talking about consumerism, and we haven't really done an episode on consumerism in a while. I think if you look back in our catalog, we we have touched on it um, in our more previous episodes. But today we're kind of going to dive into how we can challenge it, because of course we. On this podcast, it's it's inherent that we are kind of we try to move away from that. So, Trevor, can you describe what what you would define as consumerism? So, I looked it up, and there is some definitions of consumerism, but I think it's important to for each individual person to define consumerism to them. And so, consumerism, I'm going to start with, is a negative thing. So, in my mind, consumerism is is mindless consumption. So, you're mindlessly buying things whether they're needs or wants, you're kind of buying them and you don't even know why you're doing it. You could be doing it out of boredom. You could be doing it out of just curiosity, but you're buying things and you're not even sure if you need them. To me, that is consumerism. Uh, it's it's worse view of consumerism. And, and it's dangerous because this again is one of the gateways to leading a life where you are keeping up with the Joneses and and to to your point there, Trevor, purchasing things and and just consuming things that you inherently don't don't have fully value, I guess. You know, a more technical definition to consumerism might be when you're buying things beyond their functional utility. So when I think of functional utility, I think I'll think of a, a refrigerator. Its whole purpose is to keep food cool. And to extend foods, you know, life so you can eat it over the course of a week. If you have a perfectly working fridge, but you replace it with a stainless steel model, to me, that is consumerism. You have upgraded your fridge, even though your fridge was meeting the minimum functional utility. 
And then I'm just going to throw out this example. We're talking about the fridge, just kind of further examine consumerism. What if that fridge has an ice cube dispenser and you feel that ice cube dispensers are maybe would add value to your life? Is it still justified or is that still classified as consumerism because it's an add on feature that is not necessary by any means? So that's a great example. So you're, you're talking about a fridge where we've increased its theoretical functional utility. So it automatically makes ice cubes and it dispenses them out the door. To me, you, you take it back to its core. What, what is a fridge designed for? You can add all the bells and whistles to it. And I, I think to me, that's, that is consumerism. If you're buying a fridge that, you know, you could open the door and get ice cubes out of a tray or you can have them dispensed at the door. If that's why you're upgrading your fridge, in my mind, that's consumerism. Now, now if, if you had a fridge that wasn't working, you went out to buy a new one, and just say you got a really good deal on one that happened to have an ice cube dispenser in the door. Remember, your old fridge stopped working. Or, or it looks like it's going to stop working. It's making funny noises and it's, it's, the light's blinking inside. It's doing a bunch of unreliable things. And you go to buy a new one because, again, this one's no longer meeting its minimum requirement. And you happen to get one with an ice cube dispenser. Well, if you can afford it, I, I say go for it. And I like that you made reference to a more of a kind of utilitarian item such as a fridge because when we think of consumerism, I think the first thing that can pop into anyone's mind is um, things you would find at a shopping center. So clothes, shoes, and fashion accessories. But really, consumerism can apply to, to everything across the board from your trip to Canadian Tire to your trip to Walmart to, to really anything that you, you would own or possess. Another way to look at consumerism is if you are satisfying wants as opposed to needs, you're probably falling victim to some form of consumerism. I'm not saying we should live this deprived life of only satisfying our Maslow hierarchy of basic needs. There's no nothing wrong with having some comforts in life, but the, the, when you're out shopping for your wants, mindlessly, meaning you're out shopping because you're bored or you, you just wandered into a mall with no particular reason to be there and you're satisfying wants, to me, that that is consumerism. So I really, to just to dive into Joshua Becker's article here, which we will feature in our show notes, he kind of starts off by saying that we kind of understand, we're, we're at the point where we understand that the secret to life is not through buying things, we know deep down that there is something bigger and more significant than consumption. So he says that here, and and I think deep down we we all kind of believe this. We know we know we're not going to derive maybe happiness from an object. But why do you think, Trevor? Why do you think we always go back to consumerism? If you've ever, I'll say, built something like say you built a deck or you built a shed or you've you've constructed something with your hands. And you spent a weekend doing it. And at the at the end of the, the weekend, you look at your, your construction, say you made a shed, and you feel really good about that shed. And partly it's because now you have a place to store things, but partly it's because you actually constructed this thing with your own two hands. To me, that brings gratification that, that you can't buy because you built this yourself. And I, I've had this, this sense of accomplishment, this undertaking a project that I wasn't sure if I could complete and, and I actually succeeded at it. Just for the record, I don't have a shed, but <laughs> that's the example I'm using. But to me, that is, it's that kind of thing that brings lasting happiness in one's life. Just say you were knitting, you knit a sweater. A, Nor a Nordic sweater? <laughs> Maybe a Nordic sweater. So, and then 
you would take a lot more satisfaction in wearing that sweater you made as opposed to going and buy one. Now, when you buy things, like a, say you went and bought a sweater, you get it home and you wear it for the first time, what you have is not happiness, you have excitement. And, and excitement is really short-lived. And people confuse happiness with excitement. So people will go out and buy things, be, maybe they're, they're pursuing retail therapy, which I is a horrible thing, but it's where people go out to buy things when they're depressed because they think it will make them happy. But what it is, is it's just the excitement of something new in your life. And then after you, it goes through the wash once, it's it's no longer exciting. It's just another piece of clothing in your closet. So I think people think buying stuff brings happiness, but it doesn't. It brings excitement and it is so short-lived that then you need your next fix of excitement. And it's just a a slippery slope that you, you, you can't win. But do you think the majority of society is aware that that we do get caught up in this kind of addicting cycle of, of purchasing excitement, purchasing and then excitement and repeat and repeat. Well, you know, just as we're, we're changing seasons here, so it's kind of going from summer to fall right now. I, I think in, in our particular society, we, we, we have these dramatic different seasons. I, I think people make excuses to go out and replenish things like clothes and, and patio furniture in the spring. This is, because of our rotating seasons, I, th- I think we're marketed to in such a way that we we actually see it, these things as needs as opposed to wants. And so I, I, I we, to your point, I don't think people realize it's happening to them. And it's the way we're being marketed to that it is so sneaky. And before you know it, you're, you're a victim and it just snuck up on you. So Joshua Becker in his article goes on to say that we are working more hours than before. We earn more, but we also save less. He says that personal debt has increased dramatically over the past decades and that credit card debt, as which is not surprising, is definitely increasing um, with shopping malls really growing to outnumber other types of uh, facilities. As such, there's there's this one stat here. This is an American-based article, but he says that shopping malls outnumber high schools two to one. Um, and, and, and this is again, American stat, but he says that consumer debt has risen to 35% of household income. So I'm, I'm sure the stats are a little bit different if we were to dig into Canadian statistics, but still, I'm sure these, these kind of stats, even for, uh, the, our American friends is still a little bit alarming. Now in, in his article, he has this, uh, little tweetable statement and he says, mindless consumption always leads into excess consumption. The mindless is again, you're out shopping and you're, you don't even know what you're looking for. You're just in a store looking. That is mindless consumption. I'm a, I could fall victim to consumerism as much as the next person. So I put in place deliberate act, actions like shopping with a list to keep me focused and on task. No, and, and I think that definitely is a is is a way to a way to really follow when you go into these stores because I mean Trevor, you are uh, definitely someone who has our financial priorities in line. You financial independence is right around the corner for you. I mean, you you definitely have your 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 everything related to personal finance very cut and clear. But it's I think it's I think it's important to to remind our listeners and remind ourselves that even the person on the best financial track can also get distracted, I guess, um, by, by shiny things. So let's jump now into Joshua Becker's nine intentional ways to challenge consumerism in your life. And we'll start with number one. Number one is stop and reevaluate. And I think this is important to, to reevaluate what's important to you. 
you know, when you're out mindlessly shopping for things, I think you need to stand back and say, what's important to me? Is financial independence important to me? Is Are these trinkets that I'm going to buy in the store important to me? At the end of the day, we're all searching for happiness. I know I am. I got to think most people, they, they'd rather be happy than sad. So we're all searching for happiness. And I can I can promise you, without a doubt, another trinket is not going to bring you happiness. And, and just to as a further comment is, one thing that people tend to, you know, the common tone I heard is nobody has enough time. Nobody has enough time for whatever it is they want to do. Not enough time. Well, buying another trinket is not going to give you any more time. In fact, it's going to rob you of time. It's going to rob you of, you're going to have to work longer to pay for these trinkets. And then you're going to have to spend time organizing your trinkets and, and keeping track of them. So buying one more thing, if if more time would would bring you happiness, and I think most people, if they were to make a wish list, more time would be at the top of it. So more more time, more freedom. Keeping keeping track of more things is not going to get you there. Number two in the list of intentional ways to challenge consumerism is to stop copying other people. Just because somebody owns a $65,000 pickup truck doesn't mean they're happy, doesn't mean their life is complete, doesn't mean they have no longer any wants in the world. For all you know, that $65,000 truck comes with, with a lot of stress of making payments on it or worrying about if it's going to get scratched or having people wanting to your, your help because you have a truck to move stuff. Having that truck, it, just because somebody has it doesn't mean it, had, it, it, it filled the void in their life. So when you're copying other people or if, if you copy somebody with who's wearing the latest fashion trends, just because they're wearing it, that's not an indication of their, you know, what it, satisfied in their life just because it looks nice just because it looks shiny just because somebody else has it and just say it is a solution to their their whole lifelong problems is that brand new truck or the latest fashion clothes if that is their solution it doesn't mean it's going to be your solution so that would be mindless consuming if you're buying it just because somebody else has it It, until prior to that other person having you didn't even know it existed and now you see they have it and all of a sudden you want it that is mindless consumption. That is consumerism. And I, I think you'll end up buying these things. And if you were had to ask yourself, why do I have this now? The only answer could be because my friend has one. And at the honesty level to yourself, if, if that's the answer to the question, that, that's a horrible reason to own something. So the third point in challenging consumerism is to understand your weaknesses. And I, I remember we did a roundtable about this. And I remember I asked everyone on the roundtable, to tell me their financial weakness and because everybody has one it's important you know what your weakness is and and have a mechanism or a support system in place to manage it you're never you're probably never going to overcome it but just know what it is and, and limit your the the times that you're exposed to this weakness so when, when we did the roundtable and i we asked the other four people on the roundtable you know what's your weakness they really struggled with with coming up with it. I don't know if you remember that, Courtney. Do you remember what your weakness was on that show? I'm struggling to remember my weakness because I had such a... Yours was shoes. Yes. Mine was shoes. <laughs> yes. And do you remember what mine was? Uh, Bluetooth earbuds. No. <laughs> that's more specific. Consumer electronics, yes. just generally speaking, right? So 
we both have financial weaknesses or consumer weaknesses, I'll call them in the, for this episode. But I remember asking Mike, you know, what his was and he really struggled to get to yeah, it. Yeah, he right? did. And I know what mine is. And in my, my support system to help me through it is my wife. Whenever I want something in consumer electronics, I ask her because she is the voice of reason. And you'll know you have the voice of reason if that person sometimes says, yeah, it's a good idea. And sometimes they say, no, that, that's crazy. That's when you know you've got the right support person in your life for that weakness. If they just say no all the time, you're going to stop asking them, right? Because you, you can't, the chances of you being wrong every time, you need a pair of shoes, right? You could be walking around with shoes with holes in them and the person still says no. You're going to stop trusting that support person. But if that person occasionally says, you know, that sounds like a really good deal or a really good idea or you haven't bought one in a while, maybe you should treat yourself, that, that's where you know you have a financial weakness that you can manage and, and you don't be afraid anymore because you've got something in place. So who is your, what's your system for managing your weakness? So the fourth point in this list is look deep into your motivations. And, and this goes back to, I, I think you can almost relate this back to uh, stop copying others is it, it, that that could be a motivation to buy something is just because other people are doing the same thing. So if they're doing it, it must be right. You know, that that's the way a lot of people look at it. Everyone's driving these really expensive trucks. How wrong can that be? I mean, I'd be crazy to drive a car if everyone's driving a truck. Know what's motivating you to make a purchase. And also back to the functional utility of whatever it is you're buying. If you're buying something in excess of its functional utility, so we go back to a refrigerator. If you're buying a fridge that has a nice dispenser in the door, clearly a fridge will work without one of those. So if you're buying one that does have that and you're paying a premium for it, make sure you can afford it. Buying something beyond its functional utility and you can't afford it, that that's a travesty. So also... I think you could separate this into, into wants and needs. Look at why you're buying something. And if you're satisfying a want, I think you don't try to convince yourself you're satisfying a need when in fact you're satisfying yourself a want. And I say this because if you're satisfying a need, I think you're, you, you need to do less explaining to yourself about why you're buying this. But if you're satisfying a want, I think you need to really peel back the onion and really ask like the five whys of why I'm buying this when you're satisfying a want. And it don't, can, don't fool yourself into thinking it's a need. A good example would be, and this happens, so Apple's coming up with a new iPhone release in September. The number of people that are going to buy the latest phone that have a perfectly good working phone in their hand the number, the numbers, like they sell record phones every year. I can't imagine all these phones stop working simultaneously in September. That's a good example of consumerism. Buying a phone when you have a perfectly good working phone in your hand. And that's not going to be you, right, Trevor? No. I, I, I have an iPhone 6. The, the latest phone is an iPhone X or an iPhone 10, Roman numerals. My phone's probably got a couple of years of life left in it. I mean, it's not showing any signs of battery wear. So I, I am not going to be fall victim consumers. And just because some phone has facial recognition or some other feature, I probably don't need. So no, I, I won't be a victim. So the fifth item in this list of ways to challenge consumer, consumerism in your life is to see contribution with your life and use usefulness in your purchases. 
And we kind of talked about this, really, this point is about wants first needs. And it, when they say usefulness, I, I think you you could convince yourself that everything you buy has a has a use in your life. But it's when you have redundancy. I, I think when you're buying things that are like, Here's an example. I always go back to, I always go back to consumer electronics because it is my, my weakness, my Achilles heel. But just say you bought a, a Bluetooth speaker. So here's something I did. I I, I had a, uh, my my TV and I had a surround sound system, a really old one, and one of the speakers kept cutting out and it and it was just it was a really old system. I I sort of utilized its life, so something was going in it the two two of the speakers would cut out and and in the middle of a movie it'd be very distracting so i i got rid of that and i i have an apple tv shock wow <laughs> and it can i found out just by accident that i can connect this to my bluetooth speaker and my bluetooth speaker has a really good sound quality all all of these bluetooth speakers on the market do the they're the tiny little speakers with a huge sound so I was able to play my Apple TV through this Bluetooth speaker. And so I didn't go out and buy a a new surround sound system because my old one stopped working. I utilized something I currently had. I, I I found another purpose for this speaker. So it obviously I, I could connect to my phone and play music, which I do a lot. Now I connect to my TV and I watch movies with it. So there's an example where I, I've taken something I had and expanded its usefulness beyond, like I don't know anybody else that does that. So it's not like, I heard it from a friend. So I would say be resourceful is probably a better explanation for number five is, is see if you can be resourceful with the things you already have. You'll get a lot more satisfaction and enjoyment out of being resourceful. Anybody can go and just buy a replacement of whatever. But if you can be resourceful, I think you end up feeling really good about that. So the sixth point here is to count the hidden costs of each purchase. And I really like this point. And this is where quite often whatever you buy ends up owning you. And a good example is is a, is a new car is sure it's not, it's nice to have, but all of a sudden you're afraid of where you're going to park it. You're afraid of like, here. If you park your car on a, on a cold winter day, as far away from the store as is possible to make sure nobody scratches your car. If you do that, that thing owns you without a question. And, and I, I get why people do that. I, I owned a new car way back when, and, and I used to be terrified of where I parked this thing. That's where things start to own you. And then and here's, okay, so my weakness is consumer electronics. My problem is, and my wife picks up on this all the time and reminds me every time I want to get something, she goes, that's going to be just one more thing you need to charge or make sure that's charged or find a charging cable for. And I'm, I'm running around. Yeah. I got a Bluetooth speaker. I I, I got my, my MacBook. I got my phone. I got all these Bluetooth earbuds. <laughs> they all come with different charging cables. So they, all those Bluetooth earbuds that they're not a lot of money, but it, it's something to keep track of. And, and you're always worried about, in fact, I put one of these Bluetooth earbuds through the wash because again, I, I, I lost track of it. Right. That's an example where, those things now own me. I live in fear. I, I, I check my, you should always check your pockets before you do laundry, by the way. But I, I check my my pockets like three, four times before before I put things in the wash because I, I've been burned by that. 
but trying to keep track of all these consumer electronic things in my life, it's stressful. You know, I'm trying to make sure I've got all of them and, and they're all fully charged. And then when I go somewhere, say I'm going somewhere for the weekend, what consumer electronic do I bring with me? One more piece of a consumer electronic in my life would just bring unhappiness. The hidden cost to every additional purchase, it's one more thing you have to be worried about, keep track of, and and make sure it's it's not being damaged or abused by somebody else. So I've been a victim of things owning me. So moving on to point number seven of nine is test your limits. And this is something I have done is, and I, I've, so this isn't my idea, I've read about this, is do a 30-day a challenge where you don't buy anything. Because I'm a firm believer of if you buy something new, you end up getting a habit of always wanting something new. And that's that mindless consumption. So you're looking for that next hit of excitement. So you go out and buy something new. You know, a week later, you know, you, you want to buy something else new because you really enjoy that excitement, that the feeling of excitement. Well, it takes 30 days to build a habit. So I'm saying if you're on this treadmill of excitement, I'm going to say, give yourself a challenge. Don't buy anything other than food for 30 days or food and gas for your car, whatever it takes to get you to and from work and, and, and fed. Don't buy anything for 30 days. And before you know it, you, you won't be searching for that next hit of excitement. So I think that is a, it, it's something I've experimented with. They also go on to say here in this article, 120 days without buying any clothes. And I think that's a good idea. You need to to maybe stretch out the clothes buying thing because it, it could be seasonal. So I like that, but 30 days is a good start. If you can if you cannot buy anything, and that includes online purchases, that means digital purchases like like ebooks or audiobooks, anything cuz those things also create excitement. So if you cannot buy anything, you know, one thing I would substitute here if you if you go thrifting, yard sailing or or thrift shops, that that's something if if you can't do the flat out cold turkey, don't buy anything, then ratchet it down to only buying secondhand things. That's the only thing you can buy for 30 days, secondhand. And you'll actually develop another skill set of of how to scrutinize and evaluate used things that you're going to buy and you'll save some money in the process. So I kind of want to add two things in here. And the first one extends to uh, what you're talking about when you say buy things used. And I I definitely agree. And uh, my partner and I just actually went out to Value Village um, in in our in our city over the over the weekend. And we we kind of came to the realization that we actually haven't uh, purchased any any uh, we were looking for we're picking up some sweaters for winter, but we haven't actually purchased any anything from kind of a typical new from a shopping center um, in, in probably a good eight months. And and I, I think it's, again, when you get used to purchasing things new and you get excited for that, I think it's just changing your level of, of what you find normal. And, you know, here's another thing I've experienced. I, I like that, that you've, you've recognized that, that limit is when you, when you haven't bought anything for 30 days or 60 days, the idea of going out and spending money on something, it, 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 for me, it creates a point of stress in, in, in a deterrent because now I'm going to, I haven't bought anything in a long time. Now I'm going to go out and buy something and I, I'm, I'm hoping this thing's going to work out. So here's something, my toaster oven stopped working recently and 
I went out to look at a toaster oven and I just had this, this anxiety come over me because I'm looking at all these features and trying to wrap my head around it all. And I, I just said, you know what? I don't need a toaster oven this bad. I, this, this is actually stressing me out. I'm afraid of getting the wrong toaster, toaster oven, right? I'm, I'm, a, I'm afraid of making a, uh, the wrong decision. So I walked out, I didn't buy anything, but it's because I've lost my sort of ability to pull the trigger on a purchase, even as small as a toaster oven. I'm, I've, I've kind of just walked away. I, I don't feel like getting my head into, is this the right one for me? Cause that's, that is a stressful thing, but I got there by not buying anything for a, a quite a long period of time. So I actually, the thought of shopping now is it stress it stresses me out. So it, it's it's working. I think it's funny because I've I maybe our listeners can speak to this too, but I know I've experienced that same kind of experience when I because I for me I'll take uh, clothing examples such as jeans for example. So I love to buy all of their clothes used, but for for me particularly, um, I like getting my jeans at a specific spot. I've tried uh, I've tried on numerous of of jeans at from used, but some I usually you can, sometimes it's hit and miss because you have to look for the right size, but also the right fit. And there's a lot of kind of considerations when it comes to jeans. So for me, pulling the trigger and buying a new pair of jeans. Um, uh, is something that kind of does make you a little bit uncomfortable because it's not something within your, your something you deem normal. And, and it, it does, yeah, I think it does it stress you out. Actually, you know what really stresses me out is buying shoes. Yes. That, that is the, the ultimate stress because you can't wear them outside because then you can't return them. Yeah. And, and you can't wear them enough around in your house to really know if these are a good fit. Running shoes are the worst and, for me with that. And, and buying shoes is the... And so I think that when I, when that happens, I think that's great that buying shoes, running any kind of shoes is, I find really stressful because I hate the thought of doing it. I will, I will literally wear my shoes out to avoid shopping for shoes. Now, when I buy shoes, I don't buy cheap shoes. So the stakes are high in terms of shoes if I get it wrong. So I, I just despise buying shoes. And then when you're in the store, it's not like you can try them on yourself you got to, people i don't know why they do short shoe stores like this but someone's got to bring you the shoe right and then you try it on no bring me another shoe I, I hate imposing on people like that so shoe shopping is so stressful and so that is an example where i i love that i don't want to do it because it stresses me out that 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 means i am anything but a consumer Unless you're Mike and the the Mike that joins us on the podcast, I was recently talking to him and he he let me know that he yeah he needed to buy a pair of running shoes, pair of winter boots, and a pair of kind of casual everyday shoes. So he's been putting that off. I talked to him about that too, and you know why you know why he needs all these things because he hates shoe shopping too. He he despises it, and he is just he's got all these shoe requirements stacking up because he he has just been putting off shoe shopping for so long because it stresses him out he told me that so i i guess if if you're like mike or or like you yourself trevor it's probably maybe look at that as actually a good thing when buying something stresses you out and it's a deterrent to buying something then when you actually do buy it you'll know that you you needed this it's not a want and and, and its function utility is not being met if you're, if you, if I buy shoes, it's not on a whim. It's not like maybe not kind of, it's like the shoes I have are letting water in. Definitely. So I, yeah, to, to, if any of our listeners are like that, I think it's, it's almost, it's almost, 
something you should appreciate with yourself and yourself and, and really and really admire. I do have I do have two other kind of small points to add on. So um, for for when we're talking about testing our limits and, and kind of experimenting with with different things, one thing uh, me and my partner have recently implemented. Well, it's been about a month is um, my partner was kind of having t- some challenges um, understanding and, and tracking expenses, I guess, which is something we all kind of, I know myself included, we kind of wonder where our money goes at the end of the week. And we, we kind of, we, we'd like to better uh, keep an eye on it. So, and and again, it goes back to the accountability part as well. So we have this thing where um, on my phone, I actually keep a budget for both myself and him. And at the end of the day, he brings me his receipts and we kind of just look over what he's purchased and, and maybe the reasoning behind it. And that way um, it, it offers himself and also in, 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 with the support of me to kind of examine each purchase and, and, and reflect upon its necessity and how um, improvements being made the next day or kind of the wins that um, he experienced during that day. And I, I have a similar setup with my wife. Is I, She's the one, she's the bookkeeper of the family. I give her all the receipts and she kind of gives me the updated budget in terms of income versus expenses where we stand after grocery shopping or after I do, we do buy something we needed as opposed to wanted and how that impacted our finances. And I think that feedback is really important to know this is the impact that decision had on your financial health. Oh, definitely. And my final thing to add into test your limits is if anyone's been with us um, since I want to say two February or last February, but not the February that just passed, but before that, we had something we called the frugality challenge. And during that whole entire month, we challenged you, our listeners, to take on 30 days of not buying coffee out. And I so speaking firsthand, I don't know about you, Trevor, but this challenge, I mean, we did Trevor and I did it ourselves. And I mean, we took it very seriously. We literally, um, I, I remember even going out for, for co- like I, mean, my, I went out for coffee with a friend, but I actually didn't purchase coffee because we were in the middle of the challenge. So it was a little funny there. But it, for me, it actually made such an impact and, and it firsthand impact because, and I was amazed. I think it's because to your point, Trevor, that when you when you spend all that time making coffee at home, and I'm gonna say quote unquote for free, but it's not quite for free because you do have to buy the coffee beforehand. But you don't feel that kind of that that pain every time you purchase a coffee because it's it's free in the moment. So I, I delayed pain maybe, but it, it was it, it to think that you then had to go out and pay for a cup of coffee kind of seemed a little baffling. I forgot about that challenge, but you that's a good point. And it wasn't the cost of the coffee that we were the that wasn't the point of the challenge. The point was. After 30 days, you you can convince yourself you don't need this anymore, and it was just it was just a tool to show you how behaviors can be changed in such a small window of time, and it, that was an everyday behavior that got broken. We, the podcast or our listeners, we ended up being the accountability partner, so that's why that's so important. Um, and and if you do want to uh, could try that yourselves, or even we could have a new, uh, we can definitely. Um, it let us know if you'd like to have another kind of month of frugality and we'd love to uh, launch that in maybe October, November. Just let us know if that's something you'd be interested in uh, doing with us again because, I mean, it has been so long. Actually, maybe we'll do this annually. Every, f- the month of February will always be frugality, frugal February. Definitely. And, and it starts with no coffee. 
and it's a kind of a good way to lead into the year. And if you do want to reference uh, this uh, checklist and kind of it's it's a 30 day kind of calendar. And if you do want to utilize it before then, it's always it's available on our website. It's a free PDF download at livelifesimple.ca. And we do have a couple of the other challenges we did um, on there as well, if you'd like to check those out. So moving along to point number eight, the second last point in the nine intentional ways to challenge consumerism. And point number eight is give more things away. And I, I think this is just to change your mindset. If, if you if you see yourself carting boxes and boxes of things off to your secondhand store, that may be an eye opener. I know it has been for me. When I take, when I unload my vehicle, at the secondhand store of all the things that I don't want anymore. It is mind blowing. And what I do is I, I remember, you know, very vaguely what I paid for all these things that I'm getting rid of. So that is the eye-opener for me that, that I'd spend, there's a lot of money. Like it's, it, it's worthless stuff now, but when I bought it, if I add all this stuff up, it, it, it was quite a bit of money. Uh, it lost value for whatever reason to me enough to give it away. Maybe my kids had outgrown it or whatever, but I, I just kind of do a rough math in my head of trying to recall what I might have paid for all these things. You know, it could have been 10, 15 years ago, but I still can sort of just, you know, round it off at 10 or $20 increments. And it, that, that can be a lot of times, for me, it's an eye-opener and it, it becomes a deterrent to go mindlessly buy other things knowing they may very well end up at the same used store again. And to move on to the final point in this list of, of nine ways to challenge consumerism, it's do more of what makes you happy. I wish every credit card came with a, well, who would do this, but with a, a little sort of expression on it saying, this will not make you happy. Like if you think of buying a book, it's the act of reading the book that, that the joy comes from. I know people that buy books just to put on their bookshelf and, and just they think by owning the book, that's helping them get smarter or more knowledgeable of a particular topic, but they never actually read it. They just, someone said, oh, you got to read this book. So they think, well, I'll go buy it. And that's at least a start. It's the use of the thing that generally brings happiness. If in fact it brings any happiness, it's using whatever it is you bought. And generally what we need is, is less things and more time to enjoy the few things we have. I think that is for me personally, I like to do some furniture making. And buying one more tool is not going to marginally change the amount of furniture I can make that I enjoy making. But going out and buying that one more tool might be kind of exciting at the time. So that's a trap a lot of people fall into. I like reading books. So going out and shopping for a book or finding that book, that bestseller book and buying it and being in the the, the frenzy of, of chapters bookstore and, and buying this book, you can get caught up in that excitement, but it's, it's actually the reading of the book and, and having the time to read it. It, it. In fact, with books, if you keep buying books and putting them on your to be read pile, that actually creates stress. You know, I'm never going to get to all these books. So I think it's important to just generally what makes people happy is to have more time. And, and then with that time, enjoy the things you currently have. One piece of advice that was given to me a long time ago was that. And I, I try to practice that all the time. You know, one more Bluetooth earbud is not going to let me listen to more <laughs> music. Do you know what I mean? I can only, I've only got two ears, right? So I can only have so many of these in my, ear, in my head at one time. So, but it's listening to music is what I enjoy. 
or podcasts or whatever. But one more earbud is not going to get me there. I already have enough. I already have more than I can use, right? So one more piece of consumer electronics is not going to make me enjoy the internet or or music or whatever I do with it anymore. I only have this limited amount of time. And for most people, I think we have more things than we have time to use them in. And in buying one more thing is just going to create more discontent. I cannot agree more with that. So Trevor, that brings us to the end of this article on nine intentional ways to challenge consumerism in your life. And before I lead you with um, room for the final uh, thoughts of the episode, I want to add in one from this article. And it's a quote by an individual named Will Rogers. And we've said this before on the podcast, but Will Rogers says, too many people spend money they haven't earned to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. That is a fabulous expression I've heard over and over, and it, it is so true. And our podcast, we talk about deliberate lifestyle choices. And being a, a mindless consumer is anything but being deliberate. Whenever you do things in life and you don't do them deliberately, they tend to lead to nowhere in general. And that brings us to the end of today's episode on ways to challenge consumers in your life. Thank you so much for joining us this week for an, this episode on, on consumerism. And we are excited to announce that next week we will be recording an episode with all of our latest um, listener questions and comments. And we're going to be happy to share those with you next week. So if there's anything you want to get in on that episode, please send us an email to livelifesimple365 at gmail.com. Or head over to our website, livelifesimple.ca, and there's a contact submission form you'll see in the in the top uh, menu bar. Click on that, and you can submit your submission there. We'll, we'd be happy to uh, answer it and comment on it on uh, next week's uh, listener episode. We'll also be releasing an, 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 a normal episode as well, but the additional uh, listener episode on top of that. Thank you again for being here this, this week, and we look forward to having you with us next Tuesday. Until then... Keep it simple.